0: Devices to invite us to engage. All right. if you, right. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 9. Lord, we ask for your help and that your spirit would speak to our hearts. Trusting you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So this morning I want to talk to us about the way of peacemaking. 1992 saw something that um, I know, at least for my own father, he never dreamed that he would see this after living through um, World War II and all the devastation that came upon Europe. He never dreamed that there would be a time again that there would be that kind of devastation that would come into Europe. But after the fall of the Soviet Republic, the the United Soviet Union, um, there were several states... That uh, you know spun off; they were no longer puppet states of the USSR. One of those being Yugoslavia, and Yugoslavia, they experienced an incredible civil war, um, and it, this civil war that that broke out almost simultaneously with, when they began to, when they spun off in Yugoslavia, and that civil war was between Bosnians, Serbs, and Croats. And what was so tragic about it was that it was largely expressed through religious lines of orthodoxy, Catholicism, and Muslims, or Islam. And the the very epicenter that kind of became a, a visual touch point for the world was the city of Sarajevo, surrounded by mountains, but Over that period of about four years, they underwent two different times that they were literally under a siege. So for in total almost four years, surrounded and cut off from the rest of the world by snipers, tanks, mortar fire. It was horrific. People, men, women, boys and girls trying to go about their life in the midst of a civil war being literally picked off. So of the over 250, 60,000 who lost their lives, over a million homes that were lost during that war, uh, some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 11,000, just in the city of Sarajevo, where they, would, they, they took the soccer pitch that was uh, the soccer field that was used for the Olympics just a few years earlier, became a graveyard and remains that to this day of thousands of headstones of men, women, boys, and girls who were lost needlessly in the midst of this conflict. Um, I shouldn't even call it a conflict. It was just a horrific war. May the 26th, 1992, 4 p.m. There was a line of people outside of one of the only bread stores that was open in Sarajevo. They were queued up for bread. And it was on that day that a mortar shell fell and hit and killed 22 people standing in line for bread. Now, there were a lot of horrible stories, but this story caught the attention of the world due mostly because of the courageous response of one man. And so I want to play a cue from the BBC. If you've got that picture, if you wouldn't, go ahead and fluff that up. We're going to run about two minutes of that, okay? Let's go ahead and play that, if you would.
1: You heard it quietly at first. The aching strain of it hung over the quiet streets of Sarajevo city center. There was no road traffic now, no private cars or public transport, so the sounds of the city had been stilled by the war. And as you approached, it grew louder until you turned a corner and saw the striking incongruity of it. Vedran Smilovic, lead cellist in the Sarajevo Philharmonic Orchestra, sat in white tie and silk-fronted black tail coat in a plastic chair in a bombed and rubble-strewn pedestrian street. The previous day, 22 people queuing for bread had been killed there by a single mortar grenade that had dropped without warning from an empty blue sky, fired from the mountains that enclosed the city on all sides. He did it again and again each day for twenty-two days, one day for each of the dead, at precisely the time when and on the spot where the bomb had fallen. The moment was instantly iconic. Albinoni's Adagio in G minor rose above the city, punctuated by the crump of mortar fire and the rolling bass notes of distant machine guns. It lingered above the Serb Orthodox and Roman Catholic cathedrals and the 16th century Gazi Beg Mosque, all three located within a stone's throw of each other, symbolizing in architecture the multi ethnic fabric that had characterized Sarajevo for centuries and was now being torn apart. When the English yeah. writer Rebecca West visited the city in the 1930s, she was glad she wrote that it the was Vidran, that
0: came late that year Vidran Smalalovich he became known as the cellist of Sarajevo. It's an incredible story, isn't it? And the story's told that not only did he play then, but that he continued to. And that that sound and that song became the touch point. Uh, It's said that on the first day that he played in that bombed-out crater, A small crowd of individuals gathered, but as the days progressed, literally hundreds gathered under the threat of sniper fire, tanks, mortar, as a proclamation of peace in the face of the hell of war. And some people give as much credit to the cellist of Sarajevo for raising another sound above the sound of snipers and tanks in the city of Sarajevo that that sound did as much to bring eventual peace as Richard Holbrook or the UN had done in the signing of the Dayton Peace Accords. Blessed are the peacemakers. We live in a world that is defined by geopolitics, economic forces, armies, and, and what comes with that is this clear message. It's one that I grew up with. It just It's in the tea that we drink, or the coffee, whatever your version is, okay? The point is, it's, it's just down into our bones, that peace comes through strength. And that feels true if we see peace as the absence of conflict. And that is what was drilled into my head as a kid growing up in the shadow of the Cold War. With parents who'd lived through the horrors of war, they said, Oh, you have no idea. You live in a land of peace. But then we find a story like the cellist of of Sarajevo with no manipulation, no control, no force, and he makes space for peace that's absent of control or force and that transcends the power of the sword, peace that doesn't come at the cost of his neighbor. And, and our imagination is awakened, maybe, maybe there's another way. You see, there's something when we get onto this kind of topic that needs to be embraced, and that is that with each one of these beatitudes, we've looked at this, you know, there's like this instinctive knee jerk. There's some things that are in our biology the, 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 the Scripture describes it as uh, our flesh. I want to say here's what's in our biology, the ability to divide. To hold up our hand and say, ooh, no, 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 no. I mean, what's, what's, what's with the school rivalries? How does that come about? Oh, it's all in fun? And yet, when my daughter's being interviewed for her position at a university here in Fort Wayne, and they turn and ask her, and they said, "Can you give up your loyalty to the school that you just went to?" and she smiled and said, "I think so." But she said, "Inside of me, I went, no way." See, I mean, the, my here. Just show up. My, my, you're you're going to be at Bloomington next weekend, right? Yeah. Just show up at Bloomington on a school on a day on a day when school's in session, and it's not demanded. It's not expected. It's nowhere in writing. But the majority of students are wearing crimson and white, baby. Loyalty. We don't want to talk about that other boiler place. That's awful, right? Oh wait. Oh 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 yeah. See. <laughs> and now, now you know. I'm short on purple swag. I've got, you know, my daughter said, you've got no purple, Dad. Okay. By the way, that's Taylor's color. The beauty of the gospel, beloved, is this, that redemption, that that God's compassion and his loving kindness transcends these barriers and divisions beyond our strength, our weakness, and it includes us. God didn't come with hand up, but with his arms open wide and embraces us. Paul proclaims it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, You know, you who were formerly formerly far off are brought near, and that it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And then he goes on to say, He Himself, Christ Jesus, is our peace. He removed, so he removed the hostility and the division between us and God so that there is no vapor of distance. And then, watch this, that we could live at peace with one another. And it's here that Paul goes on and he says that God created something in Christ. And Paul describes it as the one new man. A new creation that's different. That doesn't have to live out of this biology of division, where there's no longer Gentile and Jew, Scythian and, oh, what's the other word they was using there? But slave and free, I mean, male and female, but that we're able to live as the one new man. Those who were far away have been brought near. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, you need to have a clear understanding about peace before we can embrace our role as Peacemakers. There are some parts of the church that have made great focus on this point of the beatitude, that that in one. Some parts of the the uh, historic church that are that are, um, you know, we know them to be conscientious objectors, and that they've gone to conflicts around the world. And it seems that they seem to be those who want to try to invite men and women to live together, and so. In our minds, anyway, at least for me, we, we run into this faulty conclusion that peacemaking is about trying to help individuals lower the hostility between one and another. And so, again, I, I referred to this, you know, living in the, in the Cold War, um, I lived in a world that I was told, hey, you live, you, you've lived in peace, you don't, you don't have bombs falling in your street. And that's a direct result of strength. So our nation carried weapons and bombs as a demonstration of the size of our force to ensure the absence of conflict, and we called it peace. And how does that translate into real life? Well, the most powerful dictate what peace will look like. That worked for me. But here's the ugly underbelly. We had, in the, at the same time, in a place, in a, in a nation that I was told we had peace, we had things that now are historic facts that are being uncovered, things like redlining in urban cities that are all based in division. Is that peace? See, the actual biblical word for peace is the removal of hostility. So peace begins when we choose the way of peacemaking, which means, as a follower of Jesus, peace is revealed in my life when I no longer see the stranger or my neighbor as my enemy. As Christians, this is something that we need to, like, really pause on for a moment a lot of a lot of politics i grew up in the, in the in the shadow of christian politics in which we othered individuals many times those people who have that agenda see when i trust that the power of the father's peace is present in my life and and i recognize in the midst of this, I'm surrounded by the powers of hell that want to divide, and yet I'm invited to pick up my cello and to, and to let another sound be heard, a sound of forgiveness and love and mercy that I don't have to make my neighbor my enemy that I can love my neighbor. Beloved, that's the gospel. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is not just the Savior from our sin, but he is the Prince of Peace. That's how he's proclaimed at his very coming. Peace on earth. So he came to a world filled with division, hostility, violence that's powered by hell given expression through barriers and hostility, but he gave us his peace. He even says to his disciples, I know in this world you're going to have trouble, but I've come that you would have peace. Beloved, to follow Jesus is to have our feet guided in the way of peace, not as an abstract idea, but as an actual posture and lifestyle. And, beloved, that's good news. In a world marked by division and separation, I I, I want to kind of clarify something that Denise participated in a, in a prayer school this past week, and the 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 teacher at prayer school, Brian Zon, was sharing a little bit. I happened to hop hop in and listen to part of it, and it reminded me of something I've heard him share before. But man, oh man, beloved, see one of the one of the greatest spiritual deceptions found on the lips of those who name Jesus Christ as Lord but they they name Jesus but in their hearts they divide themselves and deride those that they disagree with because they are right with their information they believe everything is okay but beloved it's not because that spirit that they're operating in, when you operate in a spirit that allows you to say, I'm, I'm, I'm more right than you, I follow Jesus, and you are wrong. And not only that, I will allow my heart to hate you, my perceived enemy. What, what do you mean by that? Well, guys, I never thought I'd see the day when my neighbor, less than a quarter mile away, has got a flag flying over his house that says, F the president. I'm not the only person that's seen those kind of flags, right? Or, 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 or seemingly a little bit more clever, the chants. Let's go, Brandon, but being chanted in churches. Now, guys, before you think I'm trying to point one direction or another, the point is that spirit manifests no matter if the target has an elephant or a donkey. The point is when we when we operate in that kind of spirit, it is not the spirit of Jesus. It is the spirit of hell. It is the spirit of Satan. To say, watch, oh wait a second, how how can you say that? Well, guys, go. I invite you if you if you're in if you really want to take a challenge, memorize. Third John, start there. It's a lot shorter. Then go to second John. Then then go to first. You know, just work your way backwards. The point is, go to to what the, the Apostle John says, what he clarifies in his old age when he says, you can't hate your brother and the love of God be in you. That's not the spirit of Jesus. Truth void of love, beloved. Truth for the sake of being right or opposed to the other person, can quickly and easily devolve into the spirit of hell, the spirit of the evil one. So here's why this is challenging. Again, we have to get honest about the fact that division is actually in my biology. It's in my flesh. Doesn't matter who you are. I have had the privilege of being able to travel in different places, and some of them, some places I've gone to where I walked into a little village, and I was the first pale dude that walked in. I'm pretty sure that those little kids have ever seen. Because, man, was I a spectacle. Not only was I tall, but I was very pale. And they're gathering, and they're chattering, and they're giggling, and finally they get enough courage to run up and put their hand on my skin and run away. And as I smile, another one comes up and touches my, I used to have longer hair, okay? Touch my very weird straight hair. And try to run their fingers through it. Weird. Or a little bit later as I walked up to just a little tight barely able to stand and lean down to smile, and this little baby has a hold of its mother's leg, terrified at that pale person who's smiling at her. Fear all over her face. See, my point is, it's in us. We recognize it, whether we say it or not, okay? They look different. The reason that we need discernment is we need to discern this. Watch. Hell capitalizes on that biology in the form of fear of my neighbor who might be an undocumented worker or a refugee or, you know, in the case of my dad, I mean, real historical. I mean, there's real historical pain in his life. You say the, you, you, all you had to say was Germany, and he'd flinch. So we got to recognize this thing is in us. Blessed are the peacemakers, more than deal makers, who call for a ceasefire and agreeing not to, you know, agreeing to disagree and get along. There are dynamic leaders that can do that. You know, they can get a whole bunch of people and manage people, get them all focused in the same room, get that deal, get that really dynamic dude out of the room, and watch what happens. You, I've seen this happen in more than one circumstance, especially in church leadership. Oh, yeah, we can trust that guy. We don't trust each other. What's going on there? What's going on is we haven't dealt with what's in the underbelly right here in us. So. You know, again, it, I, I've kind of made this point a little bit, but if I could point back to a couple of years ago, 2020, the summer of 2020, you talk about an expose in the land of the free and the brave, when when we begin to see all kinds of chaos and difficulty and di- and and division occurring within our nation, and, and I say, what's causing all? Well, that must, guys, what what we saw was what's always been there. Okay. It's just an expose on the on the raw underbelly. America was built on consensus, not peacemaking. So we're called to be peacemakers. All right. So what do we do? Luke's gospel. Zechariah uh, in Luke chapter one. Zechariah gives this prophecy. He's speaking of Jesus. God's raised up a horn of salvation to show us mercy that we would live with Him. Might serve Him without fear. Verse 79, to guide our feet in the way of peace. So let me give you a few scriptures, and then I want to jump into a couple of things. One is this, Romans 5, verse 1. Since we've been justified with by faith, we have peace with God. Lord, you've come, and you've removed the barriers, every vapor of distance. So that, chapter 14, we could get discernment about what the kingdom of God looks like. You see, there's a religious tendency in us that wants to say, the kingdom of God is about doing things the way I do them. Let me give you, this is a loose paraphrase of Romans 14. and it, Paul says, you know, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Oh, the divisions. But it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness meaning justice. Peace meaning that the hostilities are removed. Joy meaning a pervasive sense of well-being in the Holy Spirit. And then later, verse 19, he says, pursue the things that make For peace, blessed, beloved, are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Why is that? Because they look like Jesus. So what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Okay? Divisions. That knee jerks in me. Okay? I I can refer to that to my father who's now in heaven, right? You know, dad, he knee-jerked. All I had to say was that my... I mean, I think I've shared this with you. When he turned, he said, Krumpacher, that is German. And my wife, not knowing, said, Absolutely, I'm proud of it. Like, no, 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 there's a knee jerk in my dad, don't do that. But see, there's a knee jerk in all of us. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Okay. The new posture, the posture of Jesus. And so this is the one that Mark Scandrett invites us to, is a a posture of holding our arms out, of reminding ourselves that the gospel is inclusive, that God came and put his arms around us, that we hold our hands out. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? A couple of things I want to submit. One is this. Again, and let me just say this. There's lot to be taught in this, and this is not exhaustive, but a few thoughts that were brewing in me this week. One is, I need to be a person who's at peace. Um, You know, the church fathers wisely have taught us, uh, taught the idea of confession. And where did I put that? Where did I put my confessions? I don't know. I'll find them. Um, There it is. All right. they encourage the regular confession of two things one is the you know the apostles creed isn't so much so that we all get to agree it's it's a proclamation of, of agreement oh yeah this is who god is i believe in god this is this is what we confess so the part of the confessions and the purpose of it is a recognition there's a biology in me that wants to divide and make my neighbor my enemy. So I want to proclaim the truth. Lord, this is what I confess about you. Oh, but then I want to confess this, regular confession of sin. And it isn't because I'm browbeating myself, as identifying myself as a sinner. It's recognizing there's a bent in my flesh. So the most common confession of sin that most of us might be familiar with goes something like this, most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed, by what we have done. By what we have left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors, ourselves, and we're truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we would delight in your will and walk in your ways. Guys, that can become a dead routine. If we think somehow that just by my mere words, I'm you know there's there's no but as I connect to this reality, I'm confessing the truth, Lord. There here's the bent. I'm coming and agreeing, Lord. I need to be at peace. Galatians five thirteen to fifteen. How does it manifest, beloved ones? God has called us to live a life of freedom, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm, constantly. Love each other and be committed to serve one another. Love and serve. For as the law can be summarized in one grand statement, demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy each other. Beloved, a peacemaker is not a good negotiator. A peacemaker is a person who's received the peace of Christ and is living repentance that looks like being formed by the love of Jesus daily. Lord, I want to be formed by your love today. I want to be informed. Saint St- uh, Seraphim of Saron said acquire the spirit of peace and thousands around you will be saved. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? It means that we're we're at peace. Number two, it it also means that we hear the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, verse 18, as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I've referred to this idea of othering. Mark Skandretz gives this challenge and suggestion that we go how about if we go, like, one day without labels? Just try it. Um, as a part of Denise's prayer school, I heard this story, and it's just so so good. Um, I've heard it before, but it's from a, an old rabbi who once asked his students, how do we know when the night has ended and the day has begun? And immediately his students thought that they grasped the importance of the question because there are, after all, prayers that need to be recited and rituals performed only at night, and there are prayers and rituals only belonging to the day, so it's really important to know when the night has ended and the day has begun. So one of the brightest students offered this answer. When I I look at the fields and I can distinguish between the field of my field and my neighbor's field, that's when the night has ended and the day has begun. A second student offered another answer. When I look from the fields and I can see a house and I can tell it's my house and not the house of my neighbor, then I know the night is ended and the day has begun. A third student offered this answer. When I can distinguish the animals in the yard, I can tell a cow from a horse, that's when the night is ended. And the rabbi shook his head and said, No, you don't understand. You only know how to divide. You divide your house from the house of your neighbor, your field from your neighbors, your animal from another, one color from the others. Is that all that we can do, divide, separate, split the world into pieces? Isn't the world broken enough, split into fragments? No, dear students, it's not that way at all. Finally, one student said, Rabbi, then tell us, when, how do we know when the night has ended and the day has begun? The rabbi stared back into the faces of his students and with a gentle voice replied, when you look into the face of a stranger and see that person is your brother or your sister, the night has ended and the day has begun. Until then, what time it is, it is still night. As much as it depends upon you, be at peace. Last thought I want to share here is that to be a peacemaker, it means that we look at scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 7, seek the welfare of the city, but actually the word that's used there is the peace of the city where I've sent you. What that means is this. Here's what I want to, here's the picture I'm hoping that, well, it will be planted in your heart. Um, God has always intended that we're Image bearers, that's our original job, right, that would reveal peace, something that transcends. So, beloved, take your cello and go to your place and let another sound come. Proclaim peace in the face of division. See, the dark night of separation and division comes naturally. Just read the headlines. But the good news of the gospel is that the prince of peace, Jesus, came into a world filled with division and hostility, powered by hell, and he gave us his peace. He said to his disciples, I'm giving you my peace. And when you go, by the way, we, that's why I said I don't have time to go. Every, When you go, proclaim peace to this house. Remember that, when he said go? This is what you say, peace to this house. And look for a person of peace, but you be a person of peace. So beloved, to follow Jesus is to have our feet guided into the way of peace, not as an abstract idea, but an actual posture, a lifestyle. And beloved, that's good news. It really, really is. I want to invite us this morning to close with a prayer that I know we have shared before, but it is very fitting this morning that we close with the prayer of St. Francis. So I'm going to invite those of you who are on the call, if you'll grab something for, uh, to share in communion, and we're going to sh- I invite you, those of you that are here, let's stand together and share that prayer. And uh, I want to invite us to praying this prayer together. And then we'll close in communion. If you came prepared to give, if you'll leave it there in the box. We want to say thank you. We're grateful for that. But let's pray this prayer together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, it is in the pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in the dying that we are born to eternal life. Through, amen. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.